Welcome to Scandinavian Mind Weekly, our show about the current trends and events within business, tech, fashion, design, culture and more from the Nordic perspective of our team of editors and contributors. Today on the program, crypto clubs. What does a members only club look like in the age of decentralization? Also, more crypto. Stealing crypto is a challenge as the latest story about Ronin Network shows. And our issue three continues to roll out. We talk about our cover story with Nura Bave and some more developments in our distribution. I'm Conrad Olsen, editor-in-chief and founder of Scandinavian Mind. And I'm here with comeback boy Roland Philippe Kretschmar, editor-at-large and uh, junior editor Eric Sedin. Guys, good morning. Good morning. Morning, morning. Welcome back, Roland. I brought back the sun. Or you brought back I... you you brought back none of the sort. It's 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 <laughs> complete snowstorm outside my window right now. I know it's it's so depressing for our international listeners. This is a classical Swedish April weather, as we say in Swinglish here. So yeah, it's basically exactly. snowing. But you you uh, you ducked that a week ago by going to Palma de Mallorca. Yes, fantastic. Give us brief. just a brief brief capture of before I get too envious. <laughs> well, uh, basically, food, drinks, food, drinks, art, art, food, drinks. That's <laughs> it. That was the weekend. It's a pretty vibrant art community down there. It's something I look forward to you talking about on the Konst podcast. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, big shout out to my, my friend Edin Shelvetch, who runs Dusty Deco. He has an amazing showroom down there, 680 mm. square meters, palatial showroom. Six wow. meter ceilings um, and just packed with art, design, furniture. Um, so if you're into design and art, give him a shout. Visit his showroom when in Palma do Mallorca. Yeah, it was eye candy all over when you when you were there on your stories and and uh, social feeds. Also, uh, Eric, uh, you've been traveling, uh, making the rounds in Scandinavia. Uh, just came back from from Copenhagen. Uh, there's a story there you're covering, which currently has an embargo. We'll come back to that. But uh, what was your impressions from from the Danish capital? Uh, really nice to like just gather a bunch of journalists and sit shoulder to shoulder at a long mm. table and mm. talk loudly. Really great. Um, I was. Uh, <laughs> that's one thing that I've learned recently is not not only like these like low price airlines, also like the regular ones. You can't bring a carry on bag anymore. You can only have like a small backpack. Because mm. I was going there with our issue three. I had one big bag, like filled to the brim, weighing probably like twenty five kilos. And when I got to the gate, they're like, "Oh, you have to pay for that." So I didn't. I don't know if you guys knew that, but this was uh, Scandinavian Airlines. Yeah, I so think I everything kind of it's uh, up in the air, so to speak, in terms of the the services that the airlines are providing right now. They are <laughs> definitely having a hard time. And uh, Eric, just uh, send me the receipt. We'll we'll take care of it. But Conrad, what <laughs> cool, have you cool. done? Working, working, working. I have nothing uh, exciting to report other than to perhaps plug my interview at the Heja Framtiden podcast. Mm. Uh, Heja Framtiden uh, run by our good friend uh, uh, Christian von Essen, Swedish podcast about uh, all things future. I was there talking about our new issue and uh, digital fashion. So uh, I I guess that's a plug of sorts and uh, something to recommend for our listeners, our Swedish listeners at least. Yeah, we, we, we like the future. We like Christian, right? So. We do. We certainly do. 
All right, let's jump into the first story here. Uh, we're talking about crypto clubs, and uh, this is something that's been talked about as uh, you know, as the the world of NFTs has been making the rounds the last year. Uh, Roland, you've been looking into this. We've talked before about sort of these uh, the idea of utility NFT, but there's a new uh, project on the horizon. Uh, what have you been reading up on? Yeah, so <clears throat> you're right. Utility NFTs are basically NFTs that are smart contracts you can say right <clears throat> so there is this uh, new kind of social club called friends with benefits mm-hmm. and it is uh, it's been called kind of decentralized so house or a vip lounge for crypto's creative class and um, you know it operates like any members club basically so you know membership is selective vetted tiered and you have to submit a written application it's reviewed by a committee uh, etc. Right. So it, I mean, th- that structure is the same as any members club and only 20% of applicants are admitted. But the difference here is that it's all, uh, not all actually, it's mostly online and uh, you have to buy FWB tokens. Uh, that's basically the club's uh, cryptocurrency uh, that you use. Um, so when you are granted uh, access as a member, mm you then need to pay 75 FBW tokens, basically around $4,000. And that grants you access then to all Discord chat rooms. Woo, that's exciting. All right. (laughs) The the, the Soho lounge of the new era. (laughs) So I'm I'm starting suddenly to feel a bit old here. (laughs) But okay, so $4,000 gives you access to all Discord chat rooms, but it actually also gives you access to physical chapters in New York, Los Angeles and London. I think this is where uh, it gets interesting, right? And I I would not be surprised if So House, where I'm a member, would uh, introduce somewhat similar, their own currency, Hmm. etc. So yeah, listen, I may be not the typical audience for this because i actually like still to meet physically have a drink and chat but uh, for the new crypto generation i think this must be um the hottest club of the year are there any other um this is super interesting and and i think we saw when the nyc nft uh, festival uh was arranged last year there, there was this kind of um, uh, phenomenon of of different uh, you know high level parties for people who own some of these most famous uh, mm-hmm. you know board apes and crypto punks and so forth. Um, so the 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 idea of of having NFTs as kind of an entry pass into uh, an exclusive club, uh, you know, has been ha- happening. But it, you know, with this friends and benefits, are there any talk? You, you mentioned a, a Discord channel, not very exciting, kind of like a chat room. Uh, I don't know how 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 interesting that is, really, uh, unless there's some really, uh, you know, unique information that that's going on there. But are, are there other things that happening on the sort of digital side of it uh, in this club? Well, I'm not a member, <laughs> so I don't know, right? So we can only guess. Mm. This is, again, the excitement of members' clubs, right? Um, so um, we, we need to track down a member. But what I think is maybe interesting is that this club um, is what you could call a DAO. So that's a decentralized right. autonomous organization. And uh, they, they just recently closed an investment round where Andreessen Horowitz, one of the superstars of venture capital, 
um, invested and they define this that i mean it's an internet native global collectives that share resources build products and work together towards common goal and i think you know the, the, it's the dao model that i think is interesting it's been discussed quite some time uh, there's been debates whether daos could work or not let's see with this example i think this is maybe where we can actually see uh daos um the business model for daos um hmm. No, super interesting. I think there was a story the other day as well about uh, some of you know famous celebrities in Hollywood, Gwyneth Paltrow, Mila Kunis, etc. Also creating uh, um, uh, similar clubs, arranging digital gatherings and so forth uh, around some of their NFT projects. Um, super interesting space to watch. And you know, I gotta be honest when when I've been you know thinking about how you know Scandinavian Mind could eventually you know enter this space. It's something towards this thing. Obviously, you know, around content, you know, something around the magazine, that's that's kind of like a given. But to create some kind of community where uh, you connect people through these uh, decentralized networks uh, and it creates a stronger sort of bond, you can share content, share share news, sh- share insights. So I think it's, it's really, I, th- I do think it's a future. I definitely mm-hmm. think it's a future. I think we'll see many, many more of these projects uh, uh, happening, but I think the the challenge is to convince the uh, sort of token holders of the value of it. I think, uh, and that that's the sort of transition we have here. I mean, so housed, it's very palpable. There are these cool locations, cool real estates, good locations around the world, awesome yes. looking hotels and, and lounge areas and so forth. Um, it, it remains to be seen if you can create that uh, in a digital space. Yeah, but I I think actually, you know. If you if you dig a bit deeper, it's actually very similar to any members club like Soul House. You know, mm. they have their editorial content, newsletter, uh, they cover weekly news, insights from within the community, they organize events across the globe, they have gallery exhibitions, um, you know, so there's a lot of similarities. I think it's just uh, what 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 I would like to let's say track and, and 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 follow and do a follow up on is the business model. Mm. Yeah, and what are the the if there are a lot of similarities, what are the differences then? I think that's interesting to to cover. If NFTs are just a way of you know paying for it, let's say, and getting your receipt, and you know I guess the the biggest difference would be that you can actually transfer your membership to someone else by selling the actual NFT. That's that's really the the biggest difference I can see. Are there any other things in the actual technology that could be different from say a solo house? Do you think? I think it's the digital first approach. So where uh, let's continue to use Sohouse. I mean, it started off and it is still mainly a physical meeting space, social club where you meet in in, in bars and restaurants and hotels over the world, right? Mm. Physically. This is digital first. And then in addition, they have added physical events, but there is also a lot of online events. And I think this is maybe the shift where uh, for a younger generation, you start online and then you go offline right our generation we start offline and then we say oh let's you know can we hook up on facebook Mm. while in this generation start on discord and then they say oh should we have a drink uh, in real life so it's just yeah a reversed um a reversed value chain i would say and i think like for me this is 
I've seen this growing up, having a pretty like digital presence growing up. I think having like exclusive rooms online is is nothing new. And I think this could work definitely if you if you look at like gaming and others like uh, social networks and stuff. Having like these closed groups that everyone wants to get in, but you have to own something or you have to be someone to be in there. Like you're talking about content wise, I think I don't know how these Soho houses work. I've never <laughs> been to one. I've never barely heard of them, but. Uh, I don't know, do they have like screenings of like premieres of shows or movies and stuff mm-hmm. like that? That yeah. could be a content thing that could happen in these digital ones. Like, hey, you own this NFT, we're going to screen an exclusive premiere with uh, this movie that someone made. No, for sure. I mean, that, that happens and it's it's going to be super interesting to cover. Let's keep an, let's keep keeping an eye on it, uh, not least because Soho House is actually uh, coming to Stockholm soon uh, in the building adjacent to our office, actually. So we'll see if we will we'll, we'll jump over the fence and, and crash a physical Soho House once the, the thing opens. All right, moving on, more crypto stories. Stealing crypto has turned out to be a challenge as a latest story about Ronin network shows. Erik, you've been looking into this. Uh, what's happening here? It's super fascinating. Yeah, so this is now officially a criminal podcast where we look at, uh, we're doing like the True real crime, that's work. what people True want. True crime, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's going to be the, the the title of the show to get some clicks going. Yeah, Scandinavian no, Crime uh, is our offshoot magazine <laughs> yeah. coming soon. That's probably exist already, but... Not perhaps not a podcast, but uh, yes, I was looking, I was reading this, I just stumbled upon it. And, you know, I've been learning from you guys, mostly from Roland during this podcast about, you know, uh, crypto and how decentralized it is and all that stuff. And you can trace everything. So it was interesting to read how now hackers are starting to, you know, in a way, launder their money. Uh, because I was always thinking, like, how would they even do that? Because you can watch every transaction ever made. How are you supposed to launder something? Right. Uh, but yeah, so basically this story was about uh, the roaming network. Uh, some people, I'm guessing a group or it could be a solo rider, stole $610 million uh, from here, from various users on this on this network. And the roaming network is owned by Vietnamese game studio Sky Mavis. Uh, who's developed a very popular game, Axie Infinity. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know about Axie Infinity. but No, sure. Basically an NFT version of Tamaguchi, if you remember that. You like kind of battle, breed, collect, and raise different like cute animals. And those you can then sell and trade as NFTs. But yeah, so these thieves and this theft uh, was done on the Ronin network, which is owned by the Sky Mavis. And they took $610 million, like I said. And usually when you have this money sitting in your wallet... The whole world will just like hawks, look at your wallet. Like, what are they going to do? Like, where's this money going to go now? It's just sitting there. But I, I didn't know about this, but I learned when I did some research that you can use something called mixers, basically like a laundry machine. Or So one of them is called Tornado Cash. Okay. It's a popular one. And these, like this theft and these, this hacker group has used that one. So basically what you do is you can anonymously just put in a lot of uh, anything, any kind of uh, coin, any kind of uh, ETH or whatever that you that you have, and then it just mixes everything together, and then you get back the same amount, but in different kind of coins and different kind of tokens. And you can't know, like you get the same amount back, but it could be from all kinds, could be a Bitcoin, could be anything. So it's like a currency exchange of sorts. Yeah, so you just kind of just, <laughs> exactly. So you just like insert money and then like some... I don't know if it's an algorithm where just translate how much that's worth and gives it back in anonymously in different stuff. 
So I and thought the, this breaks kind of the 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 record. There, there yeah. you, there's no way to see where it comes from. There's no way. There's one someone uh, I read. Someone reported that uh, it was a uh, I think it was called Coinbase the, uh, yeah. the, the site. They said that they could saw that uh, from um, this this uh, wallet that took six hundred ten million dollars. They could tell that Tornado Cash has received from that wallet tens of millions of dollars. So they're starting to slowly launder it. So they can't see that it's been inserted, but they can't see where it ends up. All this stuff, uh, wow, they this don't even know crazy. where it ends up. Yeah. So it's uh, it's just really interesting to me. And usually when we've seen these heists before, at least when I've read about them, they always like come out as pranks because I think these hackers realize there's nothing I can do here. I'm kind of like a sitting duck. So they always say like, oh, I wanted to give these guys a lesson. So it's just a prank. And they always pay back like every penny. But this is quite interesting. These guys or this solar rider, we don't know, um, is starting to like actually try to launder this money. And I think I think this is like if we look at normal traditional banks, like the uh, bureaucracy and stuff now has probably been changed a lot since like the born of these banks, you know, mm. extracting money, like putting money in. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think, but I think maybe perhaps like this crypto thing will be more and more regulated. You know, let's say like a big, you know, high up FBI employee gets their money stolen. They might then have a reason to be like, hey, let's stop this crypto stuff. But listen, it's a lot you know, of money now. we have to have another perspective on this. <clears throat> Imagine how often you would read in the news traditional fiat currency being stolen. Yeah, it would true. be every single article for the next year. Yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> a theft every day of normal currency everywhere scams and fraud and theft and pickpockets and big banks i mean come on i i i think it's it's <laughs> it's like wow someone has stolen bitcoins oh it's the end of the world you know we have to put <laughs> no, it into perspective yeah of course of course i don't I, I know humans are terrible and people will steal but for me which is interesting to see how do they actually launder this now and where does it end up Mm. Yeah, I but how thought, oh, the yeah. most the, the most laundered currency in the world is dollar. Well, that's yeah. the, but but I mean to push back on that. That's the uh, argument for cryptocurrencies, right? That it exists on the blockchain. It is public. You can see all the transactions, and mm-hmm. you know there have been reports of uh, you know intelligence agencies of the world actually being super happy about crypto because you can actually trace it. It's easy to to track down criminals. Uh, in a way that that you can't do when you know you know you know suitcases full of of traditional uh, paper money and so forth. So I think the 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 story is interesting from that part and and you know the stories we've heard so far about sort of NFTs being stolen and and crypto being stolen has has been related to the actual wallet, which is a kind of a tool that you use to handle your crypto. It's not the crypto itself, so people can access. Uh, the the code to the, someone's wallet and then extract the NFT or or the cryptocurrency. But th- now we're talking about something completely different, a new kind of of tool uh, to to use to to launder. I think this is uh, super fascinating. I agree. I just wanted to bring in another perspective on it because it's 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 usually quite black and white. This this um, this discussion. Hundred percent, and you know this is the argument also that as soon as there's a story about criminality uh, in in the, the the crypto world, it gets blown up, and and you know people within the crypto world says this is like uh, uh, boomers or or old type people who want, don't want to see this world thrive that that you know shines a light on these uh, kind of 
minuscule phenomenon or or you know marginal phenomenon compared to what's happening in the sort of traditional fiat world. So you definitely got a point there. Yeah, but yeah, of course, great to have some some kind of discussion around this. I think it shouldn't be blown out of proportion. It's just really easy. Since we're a criminal podcast now, we need to keep this <laughs> keep this in our books. Good stuff. Thank you, Eric. All right, moving on. Uh, our third issue is now out on newsstands. We're super happy about that. We did a podcast uh, two weeks ago about going through uh, the magazine and the contents. So, so anyone who's curious about it uh, uh, can can listen to that, and of course get the magazine through uh, our uh, retail partner, Papercut. But what we didn't talk about that much was our cover story with Nura Bave, which you wrote, Roland. It's a hat trick in cover stories for you. It's the third cover story, uh, third issue. Uh, talk to me about this 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 story with with Nura and uh, why we chose to interview her. I mean, basically, at the end of the day, you know, we want to tell good stories. We want to um, put light on uh, talented individuals that change the world in their own way, right? And I, mm. I think that this is um, a red thread throughout all our cover stories that uh, all the individuals that we have featured are in some ways trying to change the world, right? Um, and I also see a, a red thread among the the three stars I have interviewed that they are Swedish, they are female, they are super talented, super driven, and also very humble. Mm. And uh, Nora Bave, uh, she is this unconventional venture capitalist or capitalist, whatever you want to say, right? Where, where she's unconventional in the sense that she is not middle-aged, white, and male. <laughs> she is female, she has a darker complexity, and she is not born in Sweden, and uh, she is not yet middle-aged. So, you know, she, she, she doesn't fit into this framework of a typical capitalist or venture capitalist. And this has been, I would say, <clears throat> both um, her driving force, but obviously also her constant challenge and this is basically the story i'm trying to tell um getting the readers to understand that there's a very biased um view on investment mm. and this then affects the whole value chain right so you know it's easy to say you know there are not enough um female founders well there are not enough female investors and you know it's all interconnected right mm. um, or there are not enough um, founders or investors that are born outside of Sweden that's a structural problem so all these topics uh, we cover in the in this interview in this conversation I would say with with, with Nora and she, she is a very um, energetic driven individual but also very humble she has gone through different kinds of challenges in her life that has formed her, uh, her personality and that has driven her to this uh, career path. Uh, she didn't start out planning to be a venture capitalist. So I, I think th this is uh, hopefully inspiring for the readers that, you know, if, if, if you are, you know, a younger reader 
um, you are maybe you don't maybe have the typical background of a, a venture capitalist or a, as a tech founder. You know, you, you might not even have, um, let's say, the academic uh, background that is, 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 is the norm, you know, being at Stockholm School of Economics or having some engineer, engineerial kind of academic background. Even then, you can succeed, right? Hmm. Um, so all of these uh, perspectives uh, we, we discuss, uh, uh, and this is what um, the cover story is about. Yeah, thank you for that. And I'm super happy about this story. And, and I think also the format and that's what really uh, you are great at Roland as a, as a writer to sort of carry these conversations uh, uh, with the people that you, you, you interview and meet. And that's really what, you know, the, it's, it's the heart of a print product that we can dive into a long form conversation, a long form interview like this with, with a person like Nora. Uh, who actually started out in in her Scandinavian mind career on this podcast, right? We invited her last year. That's that's uh, the first time we, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, or I met her. Uh, Roland, you booked her for for that, and we, we kept kept close contact with her. And that was, of course, because of uh, the report on the inequalities in the in the in the Nordic investment space that they uh, uh, released last year. Uh, yeah, and I, I must actually comment on that because I met Nora at a lunch at Alma, hosted by Aurora Belfrog. Hmm. And that's how the world works. <laughs> it's like, who do you Exclusive know? Exclusive clubs. No, but seriously, who do you know? And right. I think this is, again, the topic that we discussed, right? That it's so hard to enter the world of venture capitalism or the tech community or any kind hmm. of community, to be honest, business community, if you don't have the right connections. No, for sure. And it's it's been super, I mean, one of the things that's so lovely about Nora and her personality is she's super generous with lifting other people. And you can tell by her social media presence that she has a really active following. I mean, when yeah. she posted the cover um, a few weeks ago, uh, there were hundreds of comments and just a super generous, uh, loving response. Uh, in a way that really speaks to her personality. She's really generous. She's really generous. Uh, she wants to sort of uh, dust up engagement uh, around herself. She lifts other people, and you know, in doing so, people really lift her as well. So that's that's super interesting for for us to see. Uh, uh, and I'm uh, I'm just super happy with lovely f- photographs as well by uh, uh, Lou Wallström. A great contrast to our other uh, digital avatar cover with with Kerry Murphy. So. <laughs> Uh, wonderful contrast there. No, I agree. I love the photographs. They are raw. They are genuine. They portray her personality really, really well. And I think they stand in contrast not only to the other cover of this issue, but actually to all other covers and also to the kind of the imagery that we usually have in the printed issues. Yeah, um, it's our so first smile cover. It's our first smile on the cover. <laughs> and listen, that's a life hack. Uh, you know, I... I at my work, I, 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 there were some photographs taken, like uh, <clears throat> press photographs taken last week. I smiled on every photograph, and and you know that you people should smile more often. Seriously, <laughs> it's smitten. It smiles. It's, it's like the OG life hack, like the oldest <laughs> <Yes>. one. <laughs> exactly. But listen, I want to also say that um, for the listeners uh, that might not know then what Unconventional Ventures is about, so it is a boutique venture capital firm that is, is, is forming now and they are uh, building the first formal fund. They have done some investments um, 
but now they're building the first formal fund and they only invest in companies that are driven by uh, you know female founders or founders from <clears throat> other ethnic backgrounds or that might be born outside of Sweden or Scandinavia or that come from different um socioeconomic backgrounds so um and, and you know it's it's not the the first fund in this segment and and you know but i i would say Backing Minds, another venture capital firm that has also positioned themselves as kind of finding these founders from different backgrounds that are not molded into the VC tech community. Um, I would still say that they still operate in quite a similar way. And if I look, I mean, if I, you know, objectively speaking, try to look at it from the outside, like who do they interact with? Who do they network with? Uh, what kind of investments they do? It's still within this traditional VC mold, right? Mm. Um, without being critical about it. It's just that they are also formed within this community. Um, the, 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 the founders, the, the general partners at, of Backing Minds, right? Uh, so, but there are now these newer, smaller um, VCs forming, such as Unconventional Ventures, where people come from different backgrounds. And I, I think that's going to change uh, VC. I hope at least it's going to change the VC community for the better. Good stuff. Wonderful uh, story by Roland Philipp Kretschmar. Interview with Nora Bave in our latest print issue. You can get it from our uh, retail partner, Papercut, uh, and in select retailers uh, around the world. And I just wanted to end this uh, podcast uh, both with a smile and a little uh, Easter egg to our listeners. We do have a cocktail uh, reception for the issue where Nora Bave is going to be present as well on Tuesday next week, uh, April 12th. So uh, as a little treat to anyone who's listened this far in this episode, you are all welcome to be there or there's a chance at least to RSVP. Uh, uh, email us at issue3 with a number 3, issue3 at scandinavianmind.com. We have reserved a few spots for our podcast listeners. Uh, that was the show this week. Uh, don't forget to sign up to our newsletter. Visit scandinavianmind.com slash newsletter. Roland, Eric, thank you so much and enjoy the weekend. Thank you. See you. Bye.